Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4 as we continue our study this morning through the book of Genesis. This morning we're going to be talking about one of the great doctrines of Holy Scripture. You know, both in the book of Hebrews and the book of Colossians tell us that things that took place in the Old Testament are shadows of things to come and the substance of which is Jesus Christ. And as I shared with you before and I will do again many times, we find Jesus Christ throughout the Bible and uh, all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation, we find Jesus and this passage that we're going to be dealing with this morning is all about Jesus. I titled the message this morning, True or False, because we're going to be talking about a true religion and a false religion, and uh, they're both out there, and we need to be careful and make sure that we understand exactly what is going on, and this morning we're going to be looking at that Old Testament shadow that deals with the blood atonement and uh, we find it in Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to be reading this morning verses 1 through 8. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve and his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you, sh but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word and let's unite our hearts together again in prayer. Father, once again we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you, Father, that you allowed him to die on Calvary's cross to pay the penalty of our sin. And Lord, we just ask God that you continue to give us faith, give, it, give us strength and courage and help us to be the men and the women, the young people that you would have us to be, that we might serve you in such a way that the world would come to know Jesus. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the fourth chapter of Genesis is written to tell us that God is to be worshipped. But the fact of the matter is, he is supposed to be worshipped in the right way. Now, not everybody 
does that. There is a right way to worship God, and there's also a wrong way. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, that God is spirit in those... <clears throat> excuse me. That God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Inherent in that statement is that some will worship Him in spirit and truth, and some don't. So we have a true worship, and we have a false worship. And in the story of Cain and Abel, we see both kinds. We see both the true worship of God, and we see the false worship of God. I want us to see three things about their worship this morning. Let me give you all three points that you can fill in on the back of your bulletin this morning. We're going to be looking at the contrast of their worship. We're going to be looking at the consequences of their worship. And we're also going to be looking at the conflict of their worship because Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. The contrast of their worship, let's look again in verses 3 and 4. It says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, folks, let me share with you this morning, as many of you already know, that all religions are not the same. Amen? All religions are not the same. But it seems like in America today that uh, it's expected for everybody to be all-inclusive, that we need to be, it's un-American to believe that we have one way to Jesus or to God and all of the other ways are wrong. If we have that kind of feeling, people think that we're politically incorrect, that we're narrow-minded and folks uh, uh, are concerned and sometimes even angry toward us because we say that there is only one way to heaven. But folks, let me tell you something this morning. It's not just us that says that. Jesus says to, to all of his believers that he is the only way. Amen? In the Gospel of John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father but by me. Folks, understand that Jesus is not just a good way to heaven, or is he even the best way to heaven, but Jesus is the only way to heaven. I'll never forget, I, I remember seeing a clip uh, from Oprah Winfrey some years ago, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, think of heaven as being the mountaintop, and he said, she said, there may be all kinds of different roads to get to the mountaintop, and it doesn't matter which road you take as long as you get to the mountaintop. But folks, let me tell you something. That is a lie right out of hell. It's not the truth. The Bible teaches that there's one way to heaven. There's one way to the mountaintop, 
and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that makes me narrow-minded, I'm no more narrow-minded than Jesus Christ because he's the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father uh, but by me. Now, if that's not true, if Oprah Winfrey and others like her are right, and there are other ways to get to the mountaintop, if, if what Jesus said is not true, then Jesus is a liar. Then Jesus is a fraud. And there's no way that he can be God. If Jesus is not the only way, folks, Jesus is none of the ways. There is no way through him if uh, what he said there in John 14, 6 is not true. Now, let's look at the contrast between these two brothers. Some say they may have been twins. We don't know if they were or not. The Bible doesn't speak to that, but they don't. it doesn't list any time in between the birth of Cain and the birth of Abel. So they may have been twins. We, we, we just don't know. But they are brothers, and they came, they, they brought to Jesus two, two, uh, God two different kinds of uh, offerings. Cain brought an offering from the ground. Now you've got to remember that God said earlier in chapter 3 that he had cursed the ground and that, uh, that man would have to grow produce by hard work and have bread by the sweat of his brow. And so he's talking about something that would be very difficult. I'm not putting down what Cain did. Cain was a farmer, and boy, without farmers, where would we be? We love farmers, and, and uh, we, we, they are absolutely essential uh, to life. But Cain is trying to bring an offering to God. And what he didn't understand was this biblical principle that the only way you can come to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Cain brought his very best, I'm sure. I can imagine that he brought beautiful and fragrant flowers. I imagine he brought luscious uh, fruit and savory herbs and fresh vegetables. I could imagine that there was a whole cornucopia of fresh fruits and vegetables. And I can imagine that it might look like uh, a county fair, all of that produce, and it was beautiful. I think he took the very best that he had to offer, but God would not accept it. Why? Because he didn't understand that very important principle that you can't approach God on the basis of anything but the blood atonement. You have to, the Bible teaches, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And emphatically, without doubt, the Bible teaches that principle over and over and over again. Have you ever heard the expression, you can't get blood out of a turnip? Well, I don't know where that expression started, but it could have started right here with Cain because I'm, maybe he brought turnips to God. But you can't get blood out of a turnip. And, and, and the only way we can approach God is through the shedding of blood. And uh, without the shedding of blood, the Bible teaches that there is no remission of sin. Now let me tell you, Cain 
represents a salvation by works, a salvation that is a result of the fruit and labor of our toil. We God will not accept it. He will not accept that. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Paul said in his letter to Titus, it is not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. You see, we divide religion into all kinds of divisions. We, uh, there's Christianity, there's Judaism, there's Islam or Mohammedism, there's Confucianism, Buddhism, Shintoism, Tao, Taoism. There's all kinds of religions that we divide into all around the world. And even Christianity. We have Baptist and we have Methodist and we have Presbyterian and we have Catholic and we have Episcopal and we have Church of God. There are all kinds of divisions even in the Christian uh, faith. But folks, listen to me. Ultimately, all religions can be divided into two categories, and that is true religion and false religion. And uh, the true religion is a religion by grace, and the false religion is a religion of works. Cain represents salvation by works. And by the way, do you know the difference between religion and salvation? The, if, if you look at religion... Religion is what man tries to do for God. Salvation is what God has done for man. You see the difference? You spell religion, D-O, do. You spell salvation, D-O-N-E, done, because it's what Jesus has already done on Calvary's cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17 it talks about the cross of Christ being made none effect. If you can be saved by what you do, if you can be justified by your works, then what it says is that the cross of Christ is made of none effect. Folks, don't you know that if there was another way from except the uh, the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, if there was some other way that God could forgive sin, he would have done that rather than allowing his only son to die that cruel death on Calvary's cross? Certainly he would. Here's Cain. This is what Cain said. Cain says, I know that we're supposed to have a blood offering, but I, you know, I'm going to find a way that suits me. I'm a farmer and I want to do it my way and so he brought him the very best that he had but God didn't offer that or didn't accept that folks the Bible teaches in the book of Jude and verse 11 I think it is I don't remember uh, but woe unto them who go the way of Cain and folks listen to me we have people today I've had people to talk I've talked to people and I've had them share with me, well, pastor, I understand I need to be in church. I know, I understand, I believe in God, but I just have to, I have to find my own way of doing things. I, I've got to find something that suits me. 
You ever heard anything like that? I, I, I mean, I've got to find something that suits me and uh, so that I'll be able to follow through. Folks, listen to me. Don't find a way that suits you. Find a way that suits God. And what he says, he says, without the remission of, uh, without the uh, shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And the only way that we can come into the presence of God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Titus, in Titus 3, 5, he says, It's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. You know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not by something that you have done, and it's not something that I have done, it's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Amen. That's the only way. That's the only way we can get there. So I want us to look at the contrast. That was Cain's way, a way of works. Now let's look at Abel's way. Abel understood the principle of the blood atonement. Some scholars deny that. If you do some in-depth study, they say it was just the attitude of his heart that made the difference, but I'm going to try to share with you this morning. I'm going to try to show you that he understood the blood uh, atonement, that he understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I believe Abel understood that, and uh, I'm going to, you have to follow me closely here, or you'll, you'll not be able to follow along. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Abel, where did Abel get the faith? Well, the same way we get the faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So Abel had heard God. Abel offered up this sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice, a sacrifice that was acceptable by God because he did it by faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing uh, the word of God. Faith is the appropriate response to the word of God. Let me say that again. You might want to write it down. If you want to know what faith is, faith is the appropriate response to the word of God. God speaks, we obey. God speaks, we obey. God speaks, we obey. That's what faith is. It's doing what God says to do. Now follow me. Did you know that Abel was a prophet? Did you know that Jesus said that Abel was a prophet? If you look most of the times when you see lists of prophets, Abel is not listed, but Jesus called Abel a prophet. If you look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 49, verses, uh, uh, chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 49 through 51. Let me read this to you and follow along. It says, Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets, and apostles, and some of them 
they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of, what does it say? From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Jesus is listing Abel there with the other prophets that he was a prophet of God. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn over to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. Remember, Abel was a prophet. Jesus said Abel was a prophet. To him, verse 43, to him, all, to him, who's it speaking about? Jesus. To Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. In other words, Jesus called Abel a prophet. In the book of Acts, Luke said all of the prophets speak about Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All of the prophets speak about him. And so Abel understood. Now, let me ask you this. How did Abel find out about the blood sacrifice? How did he know that it was... Uh, that there's no, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. I don't know exactly how that is. I know somehow or another he learned it from God, but this is what I think I know. I think his mama and daddy taught him. Amen? Certainly Adam and Eve knew. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned by eating the fruit of the, uh, the forbidden fruit. And their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and they made fig leaves of themselves. And when God came walking in the cool of the day, calling out to Adam and Eve, they ran and they hid because they knew they were ashamed. They knew that they had sinned. What did God do when they came to him? Finally, after he searched for them in the Garden of Eden, what did God do? He killed an innocent animal. I don't know this for certain, but I think it was probably a lamb. They, he killed an innocent animal and made clothing for them out of the skins of the innocent animal. That's what God did. I believe, you know, that Adam and Eve repented of their sin, and Adam and Eve are going to be in heaven when we get to heaven. They understood that that shed blood of that animal and the skins that covered their sin. They understood that. They understood the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. And I believe with all of my heart they taught Abel. Now let me ask you a question. Phil, you have two sons. When they were growing up, did you take one of them and teach them about the goodness of God and the forgiveness of God and not teach the other one? No, you taught them both. Amen? Wouldn't you? If you have more than one child, would you just teach one of them about the forgiveness of God or would you teach all of them? So I believe, I believe Abel understood the shedding of blood, but I also believe if Abel understood it, if he was taught about the 
the shedding of blood uh, for the remission of sin, I believe that, uh, that uh, Cain was caught at his death. But Cain decided that he wanted to do it his way. And folks, we have people all over this world that are saying, I hear what y'all saying, but I'm looking for something that suits me. I want to I do it my way, to quote Frank Sinatra. Are you going to play that? No, no, no. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. We need to do it God's way. Amen. And that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, that Calvary was not an afterthought. It was not some new, New Testament truth. Calvary was in the heart and the mind and the soul of God long before he ever flung this planet into space. In the book of Revelation, the Bible teaches that Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth. Folks, listen to me. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a bright red river of redemption. If you open your Bible, if you read and study your Bible, and you don't see Jesus in it, you need to you need to study it some more. Because Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation, this book is about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And from the very beginning, from the slaying of that uh, innocent animal in the Garden of Eden to Abel's uh, sacrifice here in the fourth chapter of Genesis, Noah, the first thing that he did after those generations and those years and after the flood, as soon as the flood, land, uh, the, the ark landed on Mount Ararat, the very first thing he did was do a blood sacrifice. Abraham took Isaac onto the top of Mount Moriah and he was there to slay his son, but God held his hand and said, I have provided for you a ram, and there was a ram caught in the thicket, and there God gave a substitution for the blood sacrifice on the night of the Passover. They, God told them that the death angel was coming and that they were to take an innocent lamb, a, a lamb without blemish, and they were to slay that lamb and drain the blood and put the blood on the lintel and the doorpost. And, and when the death angel came, and saw the blood, he would pass over that house and not take the firstborn. Folks, if they would have taken out and put a certificate of appreciation on that door, that death angel would have gone into the house and taken the firstborn. If they would have encrusted it with rubies and, and, and precious gems, that death angel would have gone in and taken the firstborn. If they had taken a precious lamb and just tied it out on the, in a, a stake in front of the door, that death angel would have gone in and taken the firstborn. What the Bible says, what God said, is that when I see the blood, I will pass over. Folks, never forget, don't ever be confused the, from the Levitical sacrifices all the way to now. Thousands and thousands and thousands of blood sacrifices. It was to condition us to help us to understand that in the fullness of time, God would send His Son 
Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed on Calvary's cross would be for the remission of sins. Over and over again, the Bible teaches there's but one way, one way. The contrast between these two brothers was one that did it the true way and another did it the false way, the wrong way. One day Jesus was walking down the road by the River Jordan and John the Baptist, who was baptizing there in the Jordan, came up out of the river and looked to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. It may not be real clear in the book of Genesis, but in the total light of the New Testament and the coming and the death and the burial of re and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the revelation of God is clear. It was all about Jesus. That was the contrast of their worship. I also wanted you to see the consequences of their worship. Look in verses 4 and 5. Abel also brought a firstborn of his flock and of the fat, and the Lord respected uh, his offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. God received one offering, and he rejected the other. And you say, wait a minute. I thought you said Cain did his very best. Yes. Well, why couldn't God accept that? Because God has laid down a holy law, then that is what we've always said, or what I have been saying all morning. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, and God must judge sin. I want you to turn over in the book of Romans. I think I think he might have it up on the on the board, but in the book of Romans, chapter three, I want to read for you a little bit there. Romans chapter three, starting in verse twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For how many? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you have sinned. That means I have sinned. That means all the people we know have sinned. We've all sinned. Uh, being just, uh, Let me start again from the beginning. For, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his in his forbearance God has passed over their sins that were previously committed why did God pass over their sin because of the shed blood that word propitiation it's a big word but really what it means is that God satisfied God satisfied his own requirement uh, that the wages of sin is death since we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sentenced to death. But God has uh, uh, provided a way out. He's provided a salvation uh, method. And that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The propitiation. In other words, God satisfied his own requirement. Look in verse 26. The reason he did that was to demonstrate 
at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That he might be both just and the justifier. Folks, listen to me. If we had sinned, if anybody had sinned, and God not punished that sin, he would not be just. He would not be holy. Because he said the wages of sin is death. If he just looked past one iota of a sin of any individual and did not punish that sin, that he wouldn't be just anymore. But he is both just and the justifier because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross. The Bible said, speaking of Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin that we might obtain the righteousness of God in him. He who knew no sin became sin. It didn't say that he became a sinner. It says that he became sin. And the reason is, is that he took on your sin and he took on my sin and he took on everybody's sin and he carried that to the cross at Calvary and there shed his blood to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin. He became the propitiation of God's wrath against sin, the satisfaction of God's wrath against sin and offers to those who believe in him forgiveness. And though my sins be as scarlet, they shall be uh, as white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they'll be as wool. In other words, he washes us clean of the guilt. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. Have you ever heard people say that all I want is my just due? I mean, just give me justice. That's all I care about. Folks, listen to me. There is no bigger mistake in all the world to say all I want is my just due. I tell you what, if I got my just due, I'd spend eternity in hell. And so would you. <laughs> I heard of a woman one time that went to get her picture taken. Once she saw the picture, she took it back to the photographer and says, you need to do this over again. You, you can't, I, I'm, this is not acceptable. And he said, what's wrong with it? He looked at it and looked at her. And he said, what's wrong with it? And she said, it doesn't do me justice. He said, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> I'm telling you what, folks. He is both just and justifier. If he get, I pray that he doesn't give me what I deserve but I can receive his grace and his mercy. If he just overlooked our sin, it would violate his holiness. But God satisfied his own law by letting Jesus die and become both just and the justifier. We looked at the contrast. We looked at the consequence. Now let's look at the conflict of the worship. We'll go back to verse 5. We're back in Genesis chapter 4. And go back to verse 5. It says, But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, 
And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, then sin lies at the door and it desire and its desire for you, but you shall should rule over it. In other words, sin when God did not accept Cain's offering because it wasn't a blood offering. It was a false offering, not a genuine uh, offering. When God didn't do it, Cain got angry and mad. And God said, why are you getting angry? I mean, he was not only angry at, at God, he was angry at Abel. He was angry at his brother because his brother did the right thing and he was angry at his brother. And he says, why are you getting so angry? Don't you know all you have to do is do what's right and you'll be accepted. But Cain wouldn't do that. Cain said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he went out and he called his brother and fooled his brother. He deceived his brother, come out to the field. And with his brother's back turned, he killed him. Now, folks, listen to me. Listen to me. There are people in our world today that will do you harm and do, do you damage if you insist that the only way is through Jesus Christ. Did you know that? There are people out there today that want to shut this church down. If they heard what I'm preaching this morning, they would be as mad as a snake and they would want to shut this place down because we're preaching the truth and they want to do it their way. I want to share with you one other passage of Scripture and we'll be, we'll be finished. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I forgot where, what verse it was. Did I give that to you? Luke chapter 11, verse 49, is that it? Yes. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 49. It says, Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the earth. Now that's not the passage I'm looking for. John, cha John chapter 16. Go to there. I'm sorry. John chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. Folks, listen to me. There is going to come a time, and I'm beginning to believe that that time is not far off. I'm not trying to scare you. I don't think Jesus put that in the Scripture to scare us, but that we might be prepared. But there's going to come a time when persecution like we've never seen before is going to come against the church of Jesus Christ. And if we stand up, 
and say that Jesus is the only way. There are going to be people that are willing to kill us and think that they're doing God's service by doing it. That we're so narrow-minded and we're so old-fashioned that we're being uh, prejudiced against others. If that happens, it happens. The Bible said that Abel, speaking of Abel, even though uh, uh, Cain killed him, he still speaketh today. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Even though he's dead, he still speaks today. What I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, if you suffer for Christ, it's okay. It's okay. Because he's not going to leave you, and he's not going to forsake you. He's going to be there for you. And we can depend on that. We can take that to the bank. We can rest in the fact that God is the God of salvation. We believe in him. We believe in Jesus Christ, his son, that he died on Calvary's cross to be the propitiation, to be the just and the justifier that we might have forgiveness of sin and that we might inherit an eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you to be encouraged by that. Don't be threatened. Don't be afraid of anything that I said because we have a God that's greater than any person that ever walked this earth, than any person that would want to do you harm. We have a God that is greater. And even though they slay me, I'll still live. And I'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And by the way, isn't that what we're all looking forward to? Amen? I mean, I don't want to happen today. <laughs> if somebody comes in here with a gun, Rob's going to stop him. <laughs> He's a detective for the Sherman Police Department. We can count them. And when I first came here, and there was that shooting down in South Texas, I said, man, we need to talk about uh, defense if anything were to happen here. And I, and I said, how many... How many people have a license to carry? And more people raised their hands than those who did. I said, I, I've never been in a church like that before. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, feel, I feel safe. But it's good. I, I want you to know, listen, even more effective than Rob or any of you others. There were many, there were many ladies as there were men. Made me feel inadequate. But even greater than all of them is a God that says, I will be your shield. I will be your refuge. I will be your hiding place. And I will be there for you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings you give us. Thank you for Jesus. We ask, God, that you be with us this morning now during this time of invitation. I pray, Lord, that you speak to hearts. Father, if there's any that are struggling, 
I pray, Lord, that you speak to them this morning. I pray, God, if there are those that have doubts about their salvation, that they don't know for certain that what they've been doing is the genuine worship, the true worship. And, Lord, I pray that you'd give them faith this morning and that they would come and they could share the gospel and let them know how to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Whatever it is, God, this is your opportunity to do work in the hearts of people, and I pray, God, that you do that this morning. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.